Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audiblepodcast.com slash sorgatronmedia. Over 75,000 titles to choose from for your iPod, iPhone, or MP3 player. I'm getting awesome, you're getting awesome, we're getting awesome, yeah, that's what I said now. I'm getting awesome, you're getting awesome, we're getting awesome, yeah, that's what I said. What's up, guys? It's Mike Soros Horgatron here. Welcome to Awesome Cast, episode 9, where we go crazy about photography today and talk about some other stuff going on. We're trying to minimize the iPhone, I swear. Uh, as always, with us is... Uh, my faithful, my faithful compatriot, Rob De La Creta. How hey. you doing today? In, in living color, nonetheless. In living this, color, no this, longer old timey. This camera, this camera on this end, decided to uh, uh, work with us tonight, like minutes before the show. And there we go. There we go. Um, so, how you doing this week, Rob? Uh, I'm doing all right. Uh, I will, I will warn our listeners. The kitten is currently in the, I really, really, really want to be on your lap phase. So if you hear me scream out in pain, it's because the kitten's trying to climb on my leg. That's fine. We had some, some animal visitations on the Mayhem show last week as well. Um, and, uh, and I, and you're going to be jealous because, uh, I have the nom noms this week. Uh, the, the wife has been rocking the zucchini bread. Nice. Oh man. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> man um but also joining us this week is uh someone we've had a wrestling mayhem on a wrestling mayhem show before uh chris maverick how you doing today i'm good how are you all right uh we wanted to get somebody else that knew what they were talking about with photography because i'm not that guy uh chris you do a lot of stuff what all are you involved in real quick just to get people familiarized with you uh, you mean like all of my random jobs? <laughs> <laughs> I am a writer, a photographer, a professional wrestler, and I write and sometimes draw a comic strip, and I design websites. I'm also Batman, but don't tell anybody. And he also approves of midget porn, as we can see. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> For those on the audio, what does that say? Uh, it says, uh, watch midget porn, it makes you look huge. Oh. We'll get more into that. As this is a family show, so we're not going to get too deep into that. No pun intended. <laughs> not working today, is it? Uh, but we'll get more than that on Mayhem Show. Uh, anyways, let's get right into it uh, before we start talking about our photography and I lose me. Um, the big news came out just today. Uh, Apple just revved a bunch of their stuff quietly. You wouldn't even know if you went to Apple.com, I think. Because if you go there... You see a nice little uh, uh, thing at the bottom about their iMacs. Uh, the new iMac, which is just, you would have just glanced over it otherwise. Uh, but, of course, the iMacs got revved. Uh, a whole whole slew of i3, i5s, and i7s uh, that make them look ridiculously powerful. And there's already been talk of, like, well, we could kind of replace some of our power Macs with this at work. Um New ATIs, all that, all that fun stuff. Uh, I think there was a silent one for the uh, the Power Max have been revved too with some updated hardware. But the big news out of this is a little bit of new hardware uh, in uh, Apple's Magic Trackpad because we don't have enough magic from Needs the Apple magic. Empire. Uh, apparently, this thing is uh, it, it's it's just like the trackpad that you find on the Power or the MacBook Pros, uh, and it has all the all the gestures and everything and brings them all to your uh the mac uh have you looked at this rob uh yes i have um just for uh, hold on there's a kitten crawling on the desk <laughs> i 
can't really. Live podcasting. <laughs> Live podcasting, folks. Cats Dangerous. don't care about podcasting. Um, so, yeah, it's a giant trackpad. Um, we, I don't have the actual dimensions on hand. Looks to be like a 5x5, five five, something like that. Uh, slightly larger than what you see on uh, the trackpads of today's MacBooks and MacBook Pros. Brushed aluminum goodness, plastic on the bottom. Um, and uh, it's exactly what you think it would. It brings gestures and everything you can do on a, uh, a MacBook trackpad to desktop application or if you really want a second larger trackpad for your laptop. Um, I was actually just talking on Twitter a moment ago because uh, I feel like this is a kind of silly $60 device. And for all the good things that Apple could be doing, making products, uh, I, I wasn't, I don't, I don't feel confident about this being pushed out. Um, I mean, I, I guess it makes sense. Uh, Andy Anatko has proposed that it is, you know, could be the stepping stepping stone to bringing iOS four to the desktop, uh, OS application. Um, but I don't know. It seems kind of, kind of weird, kind of clumsy and it's just a trackpad, not a touchpad. Like you can't see anything on it. Um, and, uh, I would rather see, I know there are applications that do this. You can tether your iPad or iPhone to be a touchpad for your MacBook uh, or uh, Mac Pro. Um, but I'd like to see better applications to make it very touch-friendly. I think that would be more of a, a big big deal in regards to putting iOS on the desktop. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, $69 device? Yeah, 69 wow. bucks for that thing. I, I got to say, I think it's a better replacement than the, uh, the last uh, Magic Mouse that they had. Yeah, I do so, agree with I mean, that. Because uh, I, I played a little bit with it at the store, and of course I have a MacBook Pro. The show is running on it. I love the gestures on it. I hate when I go over to the PC, uh, you know, somebody else's laptop, and I can't scroll, or an older one that I, I have around here, and I, I can't scroll with my two fingers. It's, it's really becomes intuitive, especially after also using the iPhone. Um, and uh, it's it's interesting. I. I, I other, the other interesting part came out of this is that uh, Apple is getting into the replaceable battery or rechargeable battery business. Yeah, I was just looking at that. They uh, they released the Apple battery charger mm-hmm. uh, designed to keep the company's increasing array of wireless peripheral devices powered up. Um, so it's a little white widget you plug into the wall. It charges rechargeable batteries. But uh, apparently it's kind of a big deal uh, because they're touting it as the industry's lowest vampire draw. Uh, being the sort of like energy sucking that happens when you leave something plugged into a, a wall socket. Uh, quote unquote, the Apple battery charger sets a new industry standard. It has the lowest standby power usage value or vampire draw. Many similar charger on the market, and that's the energy most chargers continue to draw after their batteries are fully charged. But the Apple battery charger senses when its batteries are done charging and automatically reduces the amount of power it needs. And it looks like it reduces it by. Uh, Math is hard. Like 290 milliwatts. That's a lot. P.S. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're saying I shouldn't leave that charger plugged in all the time ready for when I need to put a Wii batteries in? Uh, you know what? Not the best idea. Not, not, uh, <laughs> here, I thought I was doing good turning all the lights off. So, <laughs> Awesome. So, uh, so I understand we got a lot of phone news this week. Uh, yeah, there's a, a bunch of little things coming out, pop around here. Uh, Samsung, to start off, uh, 
let's say hypothetically you've got an iPhone 4 and hypothetically you're one of the uh, 0.5% of all purchased users. You're not too happy with it. You feel like complaining about it on Twitter. Well, here's a tip. If you uh, maybe mention Samsung in that tweet, you might get a free phone. Yeah. Um, seems like they're sending them to um, more influential people, uh, folks at Condé Nast and stuff like that. Uh, but the idea is you don't like your iPhone, here's a free Samsung device, and uh, we think it's going to be better and make you happier. Whether or not that's true has yet to be seen. I don't know of anybody. Uh, I haven't read reviews specifically, but I haven't seen in the wild, per se, somebody saying, oh, wow, I really love my Galaxy S. But uh, but who knows? Uh, it's uh, one of those really cool uses of social media as far as getting in touch with your customer, and it certainly does great things for the Samsung brand, which is currently known in my mind for putting out terrible phones. So let's see how that works out. Well, I just want to make sure I, I, I'm going to test this out. You know, let's see if we get something out of this. Uh, so <laughs> I'm, I'm about to tweet, uh, man, this iPhone is bunk. I wonder what the Samsung phone is like. Okay. And we'll see if I get a Samsung phone in a week. Um Maybe. It's, it's, it's an easy way to achieve fun, right? Yeah, this is a, this is a scientific experiment. So uh, Purely scientific. Mm, mm, <clears throat> purely, purely scientific. So, <laughs> interesting market strategy, strategy I think, but a, a good way to capitalize on the perceived uh, dislike for the iPhone these days. So, yeah, uh, of course, we, we had enough about that. In, in the past weeks, so um, yeah. So uh, aside from Samsung uh, giving things away, or so it would seem. Uh, little did you know, most people aren't covering this. I, uh, I talked with uh, our friend AJ about this last night, and he uh, he thinks they're not covering it because they don't want anybody to find out about it. But it's already been pulled from the App Store, so uh, the the uh, cat's out of the bag, so to speak. There was this application in the App Store for a short period called Handy Light, a very um, innocent looking thing. I actually have it on my phone because I was smart enough to install it before Lucky. they pulled it. Lucky. <laughs> I got okay. I got during everything recording every week or last week. Yeah. And talk tonight. Um, <laughs> and, but, uh, and by the time like I sat down and had stuff started and I look gone. Yeah, absolutely gone. Uh, so uh, I'll show the camera what this thing looks like. As you can see, it's a white screen with some buttons on the bottom. If I tap the blue button, it makes a blue screen if i tap the yellow button makes a yellow screen right uh not a big deal but it's a secret tethering application this was stealthy and super (laughs) smart for this developer even though it didn't last very long um what it does is uh if you enter a certain sequence of colors with uh by and then pressing the top right hand corner of the application the screen will turn purple and let you use your phone uh over uh some networking uh magic uh, as a proxy so you can tether your computer to your phone and get free tethering without paying the extra what is it 20 bucks a month 20 from bucks, yep. from uh, AT&T so uh, here's to sticking it to the man and um, I'm uh, kind of curious if Apple if, if more things like this slip through because now that somebody's done it you know more people are going to do it I'm kind of curious if Apple will ever use that kill switch they have uh, to remove applications from uh, from devices, which uh, currently the only uh, device manufacturer who has done that to point today, uh, I believe, is Apple. Not Apple. Google. Google. Yeah. The other one. What was what was the app that they pulled? <laughs> it was something that, that accidentally had some malicious software in it, I think. That yeah, it, but was, I think uh, the developer... it wasn't 
too big of a deal. It was just um, very simply uh, malicious software that slipped through, and it wasn't. It wasn't even like too malicious. It wasn't like doing anything very offensive. I think it was some pretty benign software that just completely violated uh, some TOS in a very uh, user un- unfriendly way. So they just got rid of it, and nobody really complained because it was bad anyway. Uh, I'll chime in on a non-photography thing there. Somebody else did that too. Um, Amazon. Oh, what did um, they? The Kindle books. The uh, yep. was it 1984 that they pulled? Yep. Amazon, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazon un uninstalled 1984 on every Kindle in the world. That's right. Yeah, yeah. About a year yeah. ago. I I remember that. But um, as far as phone developers, yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, Google has been the only one to use a kill switch, which is surprising, really, because people would much consider Apple to do it first. But uh, if people keep uh, abusing the TOS in this way and the app approval process, I kind of wonder if like somebody got a slap on the wrist over this. Mm-hmm. And, but it's not like it's something you can figure out. Like It's completely top secret. You have to have the instructions to be able to do it. There's no information in the app whatsoever on how to do it. And then it makes you wonder, and this has always been speculation, but how, how well are they looking at these applications? They're not, like they're definitely not looking at code at the yeah, that's yeah. in there, or if they are, they're not looking at all. You know, uh, you know enough, and especially since they 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 they've narrowed everything down to was it's one code base they can use now, um, or one compiler was it? One compiler. I remember, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I would think that would make things a little easier since they don't have to worry about, well, there's this flash, this is this, this is the other thing. Uh, again, not a coder, completely com- uh, speculating on my point. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's uh, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be amazed to see. Uh, uh, we'll be surprised if we, we don't get some more applications like that that just kind of slip through. Uh, yeah. So where's the secret porn app? Where's the secret, uh, what, what, what else are we not allowed to do? Secret emulator, you know. The uh, secret VoIP app. Secret uh, VoIP app. What else we got? The secret. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't have anything else. <laughs> That's fun. The secret turn your phone into Android app. Where's that one? Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been meaning to try that one. <laughs> um, continuing on with uh, mobile devices, things like that. So uh, this amazing new application calling it amazing because I've used it, and it is really amazing. Uh, Flipboard for the iPad. This application is a content scraper. doesn't use RSS feeds. It uh, actually just scrapes data off of websites. That's their words describing the process. Uh, all content is hosted on their server, brings it up in a fancy application, which I can actually launch on the video here. Uh, it's basically like a really fancy RSS reader. Uh, it allows you to bring in all your social networks like uh, Twitter and Facebook and all that good stuff. And uh, it puts everything together in what I would say is is the most beautiful amalgamation of content uh, I've seen. I don't use RSS readers because they're always really ugly and nobody really seems to know what they're doing. Um, ooh, I've got a flip here. Okay. So I'll show the camera here. So we got... Oh, oh. <laughs> Where did it go? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's. I'll get to that in a minute. If you're thinking about getting a dodo case, don't. Right? <laughs> Seriously, waste of money. Okay. Uh, For those in the audio, his iPad just fell out of the case <laughs> as he held it up. Uh, the think, iPad is is, is a okay. I think it threw it at the camera. It, it kind of did. It landed on my laptop. I think my laptop took a harder hit than the iPad. So anyway. Um, 
kind of hard to look and see, but you can kind of see what's going on here. It lays everything out like a magazine, and you can mm. tap on content. It brings it right up very smoothly. Wow. Very easy to read. Like, this is what the iPad was made for. This kind of content workings is just absolutely beautiful. And this is just, it's it's interpreting people's websites and turning it in, into a magazine newspaper type layout for you. Exactly. So in the same sense that you would use an RSS reader to catch up on, you know, a few hundred websites, you'd use this, uh, tell it what websites you want to look at, give it your Twitter account, your Facebook account. You'll be able to see content posted side by side with it. Uh, you can look it up on Google. There's a, a really nice video done by uh, Adam Lizagor, Lonely, Lonely Sandwich, um, <laughs> uh, showing it off. It's a really nice application, but the problem is in how it gathers its data. Um, RSS readers don't have a problem because the RSS format is that the owner of the website or the feed can dictate how it wants readers to handle its uh, information. So, for instance, if you have Gizmodo in an RSS reader, it'll say, show them the first paragraph or so, but if they want more than that, make them come to the website. So everybody gets their ad dollars and everybody's happy. But the problem with Flipboard is that it translates in its own way because there is no real way to create the experience that they want to create using standard RSS stuff. Um, So it's creating a copyright issue by hosting the content, scraping the content in a way that isn't necessarily what the content creator had in mind, uh, and it's getting in the way of people's ad dollars, ideally. So it's preventing the content provider from making money. That sentence alone is what's getting them in trouble. So there's two ways to look at it. Um, There is that they're doing something wrong uh, in that they aren't really asking permission to use this content necessarily. The other way to look at it is that this is um, the new wave of thing. You know, this is, we're going to see more applications like this as we see more tablet devices, more intuitive devices that are, you want to hold in your hand and use like a magazine. Um, and maybe it's time that we started to revamp RSS to allow for a, a more engaging experience like this. Uh, they were saying today that this uh, does, this does. Uh, if you're familiar with, uh, with the Robert Rothruss, crap, robot.txt uh, 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 that, that keeps you out of uh, Google searches and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does abide by that. I guess the idea, you know, I, I don't know if you mentioned there, but uh, the idea is that uh, people... Uh, kind of buy into this and start putting interpreters in their in their code uh, to to allow certain formats into it uh, to to better manage what's what's going on to this or not. So uh, there's actually a, you know we'll, we might talk about this a little later as this develops, but uh, there's actually uh, they're supposed to be talking on this week in law. I think that's this week. Mm-hmm. Um, a really good podcast where it talks about. I think recently they talked about the DMCA stuff that just went through. That we're going to mention here in a minute and. Uh, and uh, for a lot more from a lot of people know the subject, uh, go check that out. So, yep. so, and I think we have one more story regarding phones and software in general, right? Do we? The DMCA. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> we skipped one and it threw me off. That's fine. Uh, so all of you people out there who have jailbroken your phone or you're thinking about jailbreaking your phone, I bet you feel really bad about it, right? Because it's illegal. Well, good news. It's not illegal anymore. Congratulations. You win a prize. The prize is hey. you can now jailbreak your phone. That's good because I you... only broke the law two weeks ago with this one. Uh, so... so you're only 
you're only in debt for two weeks of the loan. I'm only, I'm only, I don't, there's an old edge phone that I, I talked about on my blog. Uh, all I've, but really, I, I agree with Andy Anako. Why would you at this point? I have some emulators, you know, uh, yay, it's a camera that's really crappy. You know, uh, I'm not really going to push the tethering aspect, I think, because I don't even have a SIM card in this thing. So I really, mm-hmm. I really would search around like, well, what will I do with this? Yay, I have folders, you know, which I can't get on an edge phone. Um, but anyways, uh, interesting that this is the library of Congress. Yeah. The, uh, they, the U S copyright office had an official ruling, um, saying that, uh, jailbreaking on an iPhone or any other mobile device will no longer violate federal copyright law. Um, so it's, uh, still up to, I mean, Apple is, is against it. Uh, the company said uh, its goal has always been to ensure that our customers have a great experience with their phone uh, and that it knows that jailbreaking can severely degrade the experience. Uh, a lot of people have had that problem. Jailbreaking can create for an unstable experience because they're not using uh, software that's been vetted by a multi-million dollar, billion dollar corporation. You know, it's kind of worth something. I myself have only had to jailbreak my 3G uh, when it broke, when my... Um, uh, I had shorted out the dock connector and the only way to fix the phone so you can use the phone after you shorted out the dock connector is to jailbreak it to remove the file that creates the error that pops up that prevents you from using the phone. Besides that, uh, just like you said, there aren't many reasons to jailbreak the phone, especially with uh, iOS 4 and the iPhone 4. There's not much to complain about. There's so many applications out there that really do cover everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just don't get that... Uh, that, that freedom sense that you would get with something like uh, like the Android, for instance. Uh, beyond this, uh, the ruling also interpreted uh, that, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, the DVD copying, audio copying, uh, was reinforced for libraries and other fair use cases uh, because that would be uh, used to, it would break the DMCA because you would be circumventing the copyrights on said, like a DVD and everything. Um, also, if you want to reverse engineer that dongle for that, thousands and thousands of dollar piece of software your business bought because they went out of business apparently it also qualifies for that too so interesting uh, finally after 10 years they're clarifying some of the stuff that has been uh questions and in courts for for years for years i I had a class on this when i went to the art institute you know uh basically half the class was dmca right and we should also mention that uh by jailbreak they are including uh changing the carrier on your phone so if you bought your iphone on Mm at&t and you want to break that to move to uh anybody else uses the sim card at least and the same network so no you still can't use it on verizon because they won't work different technology Um, just different technology yeah different technology but uh t-mobile and and things like that it is now legal to do that still very difficult but legal so we'll see how that develops, and we'll see if Apple doesn't do anything goofy there. Mm. Uh, real quick, a couple real quick kind of interesting ones. Uh, Panasonic is gearing up to reveal a consumer-level 3D camera. So we can get our uh, our uh, already vomit-inducing uh, home movies in 3D. <laughs> I can't wait to film the kids with that one. So, does this one require special glasses? I would. You know it does. So, <laughs> I mean, just make sure, kids, get your get your glasses and get your buckets just in case. Um, and in other in other vomit inducing news, uh, the Virtual Boy is uh, uh, fifteen years old today or this week at least. Uh, so 
which actually that was a vomit-inducing experience. We didn't learn then. <laughs> We're doing 3D 15 years later. We haven't figured it out yet. You know, we'll we'll see how that goes. I actually uh, somebody mentioned that their parents bought a 3D TV. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, doesn't think they'll ever use the 3D part of it. I'm sure it's a nice TV, but yeah. they yeah easily it's like why he's like why didn't you ask me about TVs or any of my brothers. You know, we uh, we would have all told you not to get one. Yeah, so, I have a feeling that a lot of people that that buy into the three D TV thing basically just walk into Best Buy and have a certain like set amount of money they want to spend on a TV, and somebody says, "Hey, why don't you buy this one?" They're like, "Oh, it's big, it's pretty, we'll buy it." Oh, it does what? Oh, yeah, sure, whatever, put it in the car. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, you should have heard the pitch when I asked about uh, aspect or not aspect ratios, refresh rates when we were in Best Buy. Yeah. Um, and as for my my in laws' TV. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it, you know, how many people bought an HDTV when it came out and had just their standard cable for how many yeah. years? So there you go. Very so, true. On that note, it's time to talk about our sponsor, of course, uh, audible, audible.com. We have a offer as always, audiblepodcast.com slash Sorgatron Media. One free audiobooks, cancel anytime. You try out the entire service and everything that it gives to you uh, for 14 days. Keep that audiobook, whether you stay on or not after that. And uh, of course, one of the features I've been enjoying lately, like we've talked about, is that iPhone app uh, with badges if you're a Foursquare nut. Ooh. Um, yeah. <laughs> Missy wants me, Missy wants some badges. So, um, anyways, um, and has technical stuff. But while I'm fixing this over here, Rob, I think you have a pick for us this week. I think I do too. Yeah. Golly gee. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this this book is a uh, a book that uh, was free on iTunes for a while. Uh, looks like it is currently free on Audible. Even if you're not. A, a uh, if you're not an Audible user, if you're uh, trying out, um, if you're using the the code or not, it is free. I believe that's what I'm looking at here, and I'm not logged in. It just says it's free. I think um, it did say one one. Well, it says free anyways. Yeah, it just says free. So <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just free. Uh, the it is free. The future of a radical price by Chris Anderson. Uh, the same Chris Anderson who is the editor in chief of Wired. Uh, it's all about free markets and free things. Uh, he also wrote the long tail discussing uh, Amazon and Zappos and their price mo- models and and how they make as much money as they do doing what they do. Uh, in the book Free, he goes um, across, I think, every single possible business case in how a business can profit from giving for, for giving things away. He covers uh, the birth of Jell-O. Uh, open source software, Microsoft's battles with Linux, um, even, and it goes from, because uh, the, the biggest problem here is atoms versus bits, because we, we were so used to paying for atoms, you know, things you buy off a shelf that you can't really reproduce, to paying for bits, which are endlessly reproducible. Um, and uh, as bits become cheaper and cheaper, which is just the way things are going to happen as things progress, uh, we have more and more problem with trying to figure out how to make money off of uh, the content we create, which is the problem they're having in the uh, publishing industry, certainly. Uh, that's why the death of newspapers is coming about, magazines is coming about, um, and why people are caring so much about things like Flipboard stealing their content. So uh, definitely a fantastic read, probably several times, to be honest. I've listened to this book like three times, I think, and I still haven't quite gotten all of it. Uh, it's... I wouldn't say it's it's a it's a dry read, 
but there's just so much information in it. And um, throughout the book, he intersperses each uh, example of uh, of a story about how somebody did something with a little key point of, for example, um, how can you make how can you give away airplane tickets? And he'll tell you about a company that is currently giving away airplane tickets and how they are subsidizing that cost. So super useful, super informative, seven hours and two minutes long. Get it now, audible.com. Thanks, Rob. And I've been reading the chat room while you've been telling us about that book. Um, that doesn't mean I don't listen to you, by the way. Um, <laughs> Beth, Beth uh, 910 uh, is in the chat room and says, when we bought our TV at Best Buy, a guy seriously sat there and flirted with me in front of, uh, I presume, her boyfriend here. Uh, he had no teeth and tried to tell me he was a ballerina. I love Best Buy. So, man, we, should have a, <laughs> we could have a podcast just about Best Buy stories. Um, it's like people at Best Buy. There you go. Um, anyways, uh, I'll let you take the lead on this, Rob, because uh, we, we mentioned about photography the last few weeks, and I know, I know I've brought a couple of things to your attention that kind of got you steaming as a photographer here and there. Uh, so, so, uh, let's, let's, let's get into it. Okay. Uh, when the iPhone four originally came out, uh, this photographer, Lee Morris decided to take advantage of the higher image quality that the iPhone four is capable of. So he took a full studio with models, makeup artists, retouchers, a few grand worth of lights, and he took some very nice photos and he posted them up. Uh, on his blog, you can take a look at it at fstoppers.com. That is the uh, letter F, stoppers.com slash iPhone. Uh, and you'll see it. There's a video of the shoot. And there are several examples, including uh, pre- and post-processing. Uh, my gripe with this wasn't necessarily the story itself. I believe the root of the story itself is that uh, you don't need a great camera to take great pictures, which is certainly true. Uh, I believe that uh, there's certainly advantages to having higher quality equipment. Um, and it's not like you're really going to be able to shoot a, a billboard image with a, uh, with a disposable camera, but the image is made by the photographer, not the equipment, which is a very important point to make. Uh, but a lot of people took this to mean that anybody can take pictures like this. And the key thing to remember is all that other stuff he had besides the iPhone four, not to mention he is a very talented photographer. So everything is retouched. All the lighting is exquisitely placed in absolutely where it needs to be. And even if you have a really terrible camera, iPhone 4 aside, any terrible camera, if you provide it with a situation that has a lot of light, takes a lot of weight off the shoulders of the sensor, and um, it makes life a lot easier. And you end up with some really nice-looking images. What do you have to say about this, Chris? Um, I agree. Uh there's, it's it's kind of weird. There's um, they always say that digital photography brought um, brought photography to the masses um, because wherein fifty years ago being a photographer meant that you had to have uh, access to a dark room. It meant you had to have thousands of dollars worth of lenses. It meant you had to have lights. Now any random guy who has a um, two hundred dollar camera from Best Buy thinks that he's a photographer and mm. that that's kind of moved on to, um, to phones. I mean, now uh, I, I think the article makes a really, really good point. Um, I, I actually, when um, sort 
um, forwarded to me. I forwarded him another article about how to get the most bang for your buck from using your camera phone. I think that if you're a typical user, if you're going on vacation and you, um, with your family, and you want to take pictures of your kids in front of the Sphinx or wherever the hell you went, um, there are some really important things to know about just generally good photography. And if you follow those rules, the iPhone 4 has a really high sensor. In fact, the iPhone 4 is a better camera than my first digital camera 10 years ago, um, megapixel-wise. So there, mm-hmm. so there's something to be said for that. But um, it, it's, not a, it's not a replacement for a real camera if you're going to be a real photographer. I mean, the guy was doing a trick, you know. Um, Sure, if you're Kevin Smith, you can make a very, very good movie for $10,000 called Clerks with a black and white camera that you've rented from the library. But um, but 99% of filmmakers aren't Kevin Smith. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's all in the uh, in the uh, the hands of the producer. Uh, so it's it's in the photographer. It's in the, the writer. It's I mean, I, I can give a pencil and paper to anybody, but not everybody can write a great story. And that's what it comes down to. Uh, at the same time, it's you know I'm I'm very happy to see the uh, the increase in camera technology going into these phones because it means that I went from really wanting to have a point and shoot because my SLR is like big and bulky um, as something to just carry around for taking little snapshots of things to I'm totally fine with what my phone produces these days and what comes out of the iPhone is certainly totally cool for whatever I'm tossing up as like. Hey, look at this hot dog I ate and put it on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a really good point. Um, it, it's kind of funny when I first started getting really, really serious about photography. Um, I went from just a regular point and shoot to um, Canon's G series, which is a prosumer line, and I used that for a while. And then I went to um, a Canon XTI, which I used for a while, and now I'm using the 5D Mark II. That's the mm. camera money you can buy. Free plug for Canon right there, but, um, but, oh, I'm but um, I but the more I spent, I mean, I probably spent thousands of dollars on lenses, on lights, and cameras, and everything. the more I spend, the more I wanted a little tiny point and shoot. And I actually have a little Olympus that I carry around with me everywhere I go because the, the more into photography you get, you start wanting a camera with you all the time. And you know, my um, my portable rig of, of camera equipment that I carry around, it's like 40 pounds. And I just, oh, yeah. you know, I'm not taking that with me when I go, when I go to the mall, but sometimes you're at the mall and you want to take a picture of, Oh, look at that idiot kid over there. Oh, I want to snap a picture of that. Um, and it's getting to where I don't need, I have a little Olympus point and shoot that I, that I usually carry around. But, um, but these days, I mean, um, this iPhone, this is a three GS for just some random, you know, garbagey pick that I want to toss on Facebook to show my friends, hey, look, isn't this cool? Isn't this chick hot? Isn't this, isn't this <laughs> a beautiful sunset? You know, um, my my camera phone works works just fine for that. Um, my fiance went uh, went to a conference and um, in um, Europe, and she has a little point and shoot camera that I bought her. She forgot it and um, didn't even bother to take it. And for, you know, she's not a photographer, for, but for what she wanted, which was just to show pictures to me and our friends and her family of, you know, here's, you know, here's some beautiful stuff in France. Here's some beautiful stuff in, um, in um, Spain, you know, when she was traveling through Europe. Her iPhone worked just fine for that. And she's got some really nice pictures that, that 
if you're just posting them to Flickr or Facebook, more than enough. And I, I say, since everybody's got to have a phone anyway, that means you're not wasting as much money on um, on uh, on point and shoot cameras that have really no other use. So yeah. I'm all for it. I'm curious to see what's going to happen to the point and shoot market as a result of these phones getting better and better cameras. Um, because uh, I, I haven't seen any numbers, but I'd be curious if there's any kind of hit that these companies are, are seeing. I know Canon doesn't really have to worry about it because they have their prosumer lines and their, their point and shoots like the G series are, I'd say the best you can get your hands on right now next to the um, things like the uh, Panasonic's and the Olympus. The GH1 is, is a really nice camera. But and, if you're Sony, who doesn't really, I mean, Sony has an SLR line, but nobody really uses it. If you're right. Sony and you are just trying to hold on to this little tiny vanishing um, point and shoot market, I think you're right. I think you're, I think you're going to see those going away or moving more towards the prosumer line. I mean, if you actually look at, um, at what the modern, uh, the, the modern Olympus point and shoot, the modern, what is the Canon call their, their point and shoot line? Um, not the S series, the, the little tiny series, uh, power shot. Yeah. The power shot line. Um, those are actually, I mean, they're, if you're not going to be a real photographer where you're carrying about F stops, you're carrying about, um, setting your own aperture, um, things like face detect, those are, you know, there's a lot of, of really cool things that are in those cameras for just kind of going on your, um, going on, on your vacation. Um, that said, uh, give it a year when the iPhone 5GS comes out, I, I, you know, I bet you that it's got some really good face detection software. I mean, the what's in the 3GS isn't great. Um, what's, I haven't played with it, with it in the 4, but I bet you those features come, um, come and sooner or later you're going to want you know a, a flash on it of some kind and mm-hmm. things like that. So you know, who knows? Yeah, and it might be cool to see um, some phone developers actually joining forces with companies like Sony. Um, I think there is a phone somewhere that has the can't remember what it was called. Sony used to have a point and shoot line that was really uh, prevalent back in the days when Nikon made good point and shoots. And there was one phone where they included this camera, quote unquote, this camera. It was just, they put the name on the phone, but they put it inside the phone. It'd be kind of interesting to see if, uh, say, Samsung uh, started including their point and shoot optics inside their phones to try and rival things like the iPhone 4. Now, as as the resident consumer, I shoot with my 3GS guy. Um, what what do you guys think? I've been eyeing up myself for video, and I've been seeing articles lately about rigging the iPhones with uh, SLR type lenses and everything. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> do a quick look for iPhone and uh, DSLR. I think you'll get an article. Uh, yeah, one, one uh, there was a. I can I can actually forward somebody was Excellent. just doing that the other day on. There's a Twitter feed that I read all about photography that. A guy posted some results. It's, I mean, it, it, it's it's a toy. It's a trick. It's neat. <laughs> you know, there's if if you if you have a geek and you invent, you know, you toss a television out there. It's like when you guys were talking about jailbreaking earlier. And why do people jailbreak um, jailbreak things? Because they can. You know, you yeah, can run yeah. Linux on the on, on the PlayStation Three, and they and Sony took that away, and there was this big, huge outrage among geeks of, "Oh, we've got to put that back." And 
you know, so people started hacking and trying to, and, and trying to put it back. And then you have to ask yourself, why? Why do you care? There's, I, I, I've never, you know, I am a geek and I've never compiled anything on my PlayStation, nor do I care to. It's for playing games. And the iPhone is for, you know, using, using it as a phone. And as cool as it is, it's this big. And if I stick a honking lens on the end of it like this, it's no longer <laughs> useful as a phone. You do it because you can, and you do it because it, it's kind of neat to to show people that, hey, look what I did. And maybe if you're lucky, you get a mention on Gizmodo which, or, or Slashdot, and you get more traffic on your website. That's that's the only reason to do it. It's not it's not useful. Yeah, it's certainly not a practical application. I mean, if I'm going to carry around a lens with an adapter, like any SLR lens at all, I may as well carry the camera body that can actually make use of the resolution of the lens. I just want to throw out there one thing I'm looking at. I think it was part of that whole kind of rig was the alley, uh, which is this giant battering looking thing that your phone fits into and you attach an extra microphone. It's more for video. And, of course, there's teleprompter rigs and everything for these things. It's, it's amazing. Um, and it's pretty decent results, at least on the video side, of course. Um, but I, 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 it was funny because uh, I actually had a discussion today again with another user that's uh, using an iPhone 4. We've been talking about camera apps and everything. And uh, he, he's talked about, I, I think he mentioned he got an app and uh, some of his pictures still don't look so good and everything. And I was like, you know, well, still, I, I think kind of to your point, uh, you still have to light the thing. You know, yeah, you still have yeah. to understand how the lighting works and not do it in a darkened room. Um, you know, I, I, I took a bunch of pictures uh, kind of in a more of a bar setting that I thought was lit enough uh, last week. Of course, I was probably drunk uh, and, and was surprised the next day to find out I was like, wow, these are there's a lot of kind of fuzz of these pictures. It's not as good as I, as I, as I thought it would be, you know, because I've been using the camera plus app playing with that. But again, it's still, you know, to me, it's like, oh, let's see what we can do with this. Um, and you're talking about sales and everything, uh, you, and especially with things like the Camera Plus app. You go to mostlyelisa.com, and there's a lot of kind of tutorials to show you how to get the most out of it, like we talked about. Uh, do you think this is kind of like a, a great gateway drug for photographers to, to you know, they have one of these anyways, they get into the photography and, and move up from there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, my first, uh, well, I mean, I had some, like, awesome little bar cameras that shot, like, 133 when I was a kid, but um, my first digital camera was like a two megapixel Fuji Finepix that my dad had bought to take picture of his pictures of his car, I think. And uh, the engineer inside of me wanted to like play around with all the different ways you could manipulate light and things like that. And just having that camera available to me is what got me on my photography kick. And I think, uh, I mean, a lot of people are going to buy iPhones and all these other um, smartphone devices just for, you know, everybody has one, I want to use the apps, I want this, I want that. Um, but I think a lot of people are going to find themselves with a, a photo bug planted in their brain because they took a few pictures and they're like, oh, hey, this is fun, or hey, I'm kind of good at this. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, from our chat room, there's been a lot of conversation going on in there. Uh, Uncle Crappy, who was on the first episode of the Awesome Cast, he says, uh, we've run a few camera phone pics in the paper recently and makes our photographers cringe. <laughs> <laughs> so um and that's that's another point to make um is citizen journalism that is created by having phones of higher and higher quality these phone the the cameras take the, the cameras taken by these pictures 
the pictures taken by these cameras, like the picture that was taken of the uh, plane landing in the Hudson Bay, like mm-hmm. the, the cameras are, are of a higher quality that you can share these photos with the press. And as much as they make photographers like me and I'm sure Chris cringe, um, sometimes it's just a matter of getting the story out there. Uh, one of the classic sayings about photojournalism is uh, is to be there. It's f-stop 5.6 and be there, but just to be there is the most crucial part of it. If you're not there, you won't get the story. And now there are millions of people out there with cameras in their pockets waiting for the story to walk in front of them. And now FaceTime and video and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yep. Why don't we see our first 3D video on a phone, you think? Because <laughs> <laughs> that'll be a grand idea. Um <laughs> And I think this might have been a counterpoint that when uh, I, I think one of you were talking about, you're like, well, you have a lens and everything and all this uh, stuff with you. Uh, Malengo in the chat room uh, mentions it saves a, a thousand plus from your regular camera purchase in comparison. So I guess that's something you need to factor the, the cost versus the quality, which you're getting out of it at, at that mm-hmm. point. The so, camera is the cheapest part of the of photography. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. really is. No, I mean, in all seriousness, um, as I, I, I said earlier, you know, I, I have a 5D Mark II. It's my, it, it is, I am ecstatically happy with, with, uh, with the value of that camera. Um, I think the body alone costs about $2,000, $2,500. Um, a good lens starts at a grand. So, um, and goes to four grand, 10 grand. There's no, the saving the thousand dollars is neat, almost noise. Yep. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, well, uh, it, it was a great conversation. I, I think, uh, I think we, we pretty much summed that up. Um, you guys have any recommendations for people, uh, that there are, of course, you know, you guys are iPhoneers too, like for the people that want to get started and kind of get, it, uh, at it the right angle, uh, if they're more interested in getting into photography, do you guys have anything to recommend to people? Um, I've got a couple books. I was just thinking about when you were mentioning light. Um, like we were saying, light is light is what makes a photograph. You can wrap your mind around all the different sciences of light. Uh, it'll do a, a heck of a lot of favors in, in creating a great photo, whether you're using you know, uh, a really cheap point and shoot, your iPhone 4, or a 5D Mark II. Uh, I have a book here, which is my light gospel, uh, Light, Science, and Magic. Um, which is, uh, it goes into explanations of not just why you need certain kinds of light for certain kinds of photographs, but the science behind it, how your eye interprets it, how the sensor on your camera will interpret it, and how all that fun stuff comes together to create photos. Excellent. Matt, you got anything? Um, there's a few books. Let's see. Um, and it looks like your video stream just died. <laughs> They're insane in the chat room. Um, the, the most important thing about, about photography is light, like he said. And um, the biggest mistake that almost every beginning photographer, and I don't, by beginning photographer, I mean some guy who picks up a camera and wants to take cool pictures, notices is um, there's a flash on top of your camera. This is not for creating light. Uh, <laughs> that flat, fl- um, front, front flash camera lighting for your primary light is almost always a bad idea. Um, what it's for is doing something called fill lighting, which... Um, is probably not worth going into the details of uh, here, but um, oh geez. So what I would what I would recommend doing is um, getting a book like this is the Hot Shoe Diaries, one of my favorite ones, and it will tell you how to set up lights. That's more advanced thing. And then here's this one, Mastering Digital Photography. 
And those will tell you things about where to set your lights, how to set them so things work well. And um, there's also a website called thestrobus.com, which has a lot of good details. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, while we're at it, Mav, uh, where where can we find you and uh, what are you up to coming up? Um, where can you find me for photography? Um, probably I'm actually in process of revamping my website, but I just reopened it this week. And that's www.elseworld.com slash Mav. And there's pictures by me. There's um, a friend of mine is a painter and he has um, he, some of his work's going to be up there. And uh, three models that I work with, their um, their their work is going to be up there from me and from other photographers. Uh, I also work, and they'll whatever I'm doing, there'll be links to that uh, to me there or on my Facebook group, which is Facebook.com/slash Maverick Photo. Excellent, uh, Rob. What's coming up for you? Um, uh, yeah, nothing, <laughs> nothing at all. Actually, I, I, I have a backlog of projects as usual, um, that I'm trying to get to, uh, of which are a video project that I can't really talk about. Uh, I have like, I don't know, say 900 photographs, the process. And, um, I, I have to get this kitten to stop chewing on my foot. But besides that, and while I'm doing that, I'll be on the internet most likely, uh, robjdlc.com and uh, on the Twitters at uh, robjdlc. Excellent. And of course, you can find me at sorgatron.com. Find me on the Twitter on Sorg- at sorgatron. Hey, look, I have a graphic this week. Yeah, look at that. Uh, and of course, you can find everything uh, re- pertaining to the awesome cast. Uh, please check out our friends, birdseyeview.com. We got to talk about the awesome cast a little bit over there. Uh, this past weekend, birdseyeview.com, or just look them up on iTunes, episode 93, I think it is off the top of my head. Uh, and of course, you can check everything out. Like I said, awesomecast.com has links for that. Twitter, awesomecast, and email us contact at awesomecast.com. Uh, you can also uh, be sure to join us. We have a lot of people join us in the chat room live, 7 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays at sorgatronmedia.com. Uh, so you can participate and bug us with your questions perhaps yeah. and, um, and certainly if you have any stories or questions or comments you want us to talk about send us an email we're happy exactly. to take if you have any experiences with uh, best buy employees or anything <laughs> of the sort thank you there are plenty of people in the chat room i love to see that's growing uh thanks a lot matt for joining us thanks as always rob i think we had a great discussion and uh and i want to i want to be trying to be real photographer i swear so in the meantime we'll see you guys next week <laughs> <laughs>